I honestly believe that the biggest problem we all have is obscurity. There's thousands of people, millions of people we could help if they only knew we existed. You ask a business owner to write a blog, that's a homework assignment. If you ask them to be interviewed on a podcast, they can talk about their company and their passion all day long. Caution, you will begin to love your nine to five with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this episode of the Love Your 9 to 5 show, where we bring to you professionals who have found the way from work that maybe wasn't the best fit to something that actually lights them up and makes them excited to do everything that they do every day. Hopefully you can listen and learn, engage with our guests as they come and they share some of their experiences and some of the lessons that they've learned along the way. For today's guest, I am going to go with the canned interview and I'm going to say that on the podcast because I don't usually do this, but let's do this anyway. This is going to be fun. In this noisy digital world, you can't break through the noise. You just add to it. Instead, you need to get in on the conversation where your ideal customers are already listening. As a Navy veteran who ran nuclear power plants and an inbound marketing engineer, Tom Schwab has a refreshingly unique approach. He focuses on time-proven strategy, then supercharges it with today's technology and podcast interview marketing. An author, speaker, and teacher, Tom helps you get more traffic leads and raving customer fans by being interviewed on targeted podcasts. Now, with that awesome introduction, Tom, welcome to the Love Your 9 to 5 show. Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. And I got to say, if you love what you're doing, it doesn't seem like nine to five. It's like, when can I get started? And then you get frustrated. It's like, what do you mean it's quitting time already? That is so true. It's painful to see how rare it is that someone really, really loves their job to that extent. But before we get into that, how about you tell us a little bit more about yourself personally and how you evolved into the company that you're a part of right now? Yeah, so I am in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which proves that, uh, you know, work is now what you do, not necessarily where you go. I grew up in the Midwest, had the privilege of going to the Naval Academy. So thank you for all the uh, taxpayers for paying for my education. Uh, Thank you for your service. (laughs) I uh, ran nuclear power plants and that really taught me that anything can be taught and systematized and and really refined. I went out in the corporate world and then sales, marketing, and actually ran my own distributorship. Sold that back and started a company. And at that time, we were doing direct-to-patient, durable medical equipment. And it was just as Michigan was leading the nation into the Great Recession. And there was no way I was going to build a a regular brick-and-mortar sales force. So I'd read a book by two smart guys out of MIT. Uh, They went on to form a HubSpot out of Boston there. And they talked about inbound marketing, how you use content to attract, engage, and delight customers. And so did that. And then in 2014, we started to say, could you use podcast interviews almost the same way we use guest blogs, right? To go out there in front of the audience. So we tested it, uh, worked awesome, 25 times better than blogs. So we refined the system and now we've got a team of 16 
all based in the United States, but they don't all live in Kalamazoo, Michigan with me. And we serve about 90 clients, getting them on podcasts so that they can tell their story to ideal listeners. Wow. So just so I understand that this is where the nursing home background to me kicks in a little bit. So you were selling DMEs to directly to the clients using inbound marketing strategies? Correct. Really? We were voted at one of the inbound conferences as the second unsexiest product sold with inbound marketing. If you've ever seen those little uh, knee scooters that people use yep. after foot or ankle injuries, uh, right. that's what we were actually renting and it was direct to patient. And at that time, uh, they weren't nationally available. So we were able to, to drop ship them and now they're much more readily available. So one second. So before we get to the interview of LA piece of this, I mean, that part for me personally is very fascinating because yeah. you're correct. There's nothing cool about durable medical equipment. And that's something that generally is, you know, relationship based, at least in my experience in the long-term care industry. If you, you know, somebody knows an owner of somebody and their brother-in-law sells DMEs and you're the one who gets it. It's also, you don't have a better knee scooter than somebody else. You're all getting the same drive medical equipment or whatever company you're using. and you know, it's the same thing. And the, you know, you can fight on price only so much and everyone claims to have the best customer service. It's just, it's very surprising, frankly, to hear that, you, that you've actually successfully employed types, and this is before podcasting, the inbound marketing tactics to increase your sales. So l- let me try to break this down so yeah. I can understand it. And perhaps uh, so listeners can understand this as well. So your target client was who? Was that the resident or a nursing home, a hospital? Who was your target client? At that time, our target client was somebody that was either going to be on crutches or was already on crutches. They, you know, they had a traumatic injury. They had a surgery. They were okay. frustrated. And for us, it was being there with the answers. You know, the whole thing of inbound marketing is nobody goes online to say, hmm, what should I be sold today? Everybody goes online with a problem, looking for people that will, for answers to their problems, right? That's what we Google. How do I, or what does, you know, we always do questions. And the whole idea is that those people that answer the questions will get the no like, and trust. They'll build up the respect. And so largely it was for us, you know, if we could provide the information, build the trust, uh, there's a great guy by the name of Rand Fishkin, who started a company called SEO Moz. His company was SEO, Search Engine Optimization, SEO Moz. Uh, He also wrote a book uh, called Lost and Founder. But I love one of the quotes that he said. He said, the best way to sell something today is not to sell anything, but earn the respect, awareness, and trust of those who might buy. So that's what we were really doing. You know, if they asked a question, we had the answer out there. And now we're doing really the same thing with podcast interviews. It's just a different way to do that. But heck, today, you know, Google's indexing all the podcast interviews. So it used to be that you'd have to write a blog. And for me, that was a homework assignment. Uh, and now it's so much easier just to, to talk. Well, okay, I'm going to say, but I want to work. I want to flush through that case for a minute. It's mm-hmm. fascinating for me. And, and some of the listeners who are listeners of the Love You 9 to 5 show are also in the healthcare industry. So these residents who need this piece of equipment, why insurance pays for it? They pay for it privately? How does that work? Uh, We were doing it where it was all private pay. Is that something that's generally covered by insurance? Uh, Not always. Not always. Okay. So if it's covered by insurance, then it would would go probably through the healthcare provider, I assume. So I just want to imagine this case. I know my brother actually fell a few months ago 
and he like shattered his knee, his ankle. I'm sorry, Yak, for not remembering. Um, I'll send you a link to this, but he needed a scooter. And I remember then that he was saying how expensive it was. You would think, uh, you know, you, my kids buy scooters all the time and they're not so expensive and it doesn't look that much more complex. So I know who's doing exactly this. So now you're saying that the person, you're not targeting the person who's Googling, how do I buy a scooter? I mean, maybe them too, but you're a step before that. That Correct. someone's Googling stuff. So what would be something that someone would search and that you would answer to get their business? If you think about it, if they knew knee scooter or what it was called, that they'd probably have already made that decision. So really you start talking about the problem. So blogs like I hate crutches, um, 10 alternatives to crutches, or how to make your recovery after broken ankle easier, you know, 10 ways to do that. Other ways, uh, how to stay non-weight bearing without crutches, because that was always a keyword, you know, doctors would always say, stay non-weight bearing. And so we would start doing this, start telling stories of patients, putting pictures of patients in there. And if you think about it, yeah, there might be a DME store that is open from nine to five, that's 20 or 30 miles away. But if they can't drive there, if they're on one foot with their foot up and they can't get there, it's just easier for them to uh, rent it online. So we were able to do it where they could they could rent it. We would drop ship it to their house, you know, get it to them in a couple of days. And really, uh, our target audience was probably sitting there with their laptop on their computer, right? The ones that were doing private pay, probably, you know, more internet savvy and mm-hmm. uh, just putting, um, you know, they were frustrated and they were looking for answers. So I think you just shared something which is golden when it comes to content marketing, the problem is it takes patience, right? So the problem is that if someone's sitting there and they have sales quotas that they have to meet, they don't want to ship scooters today. They don't want to talk to people who are thinking about maybe getting scooters, someone who's looking for alternatives in order to do what the doctor said, they should be non-weight bearing and everything like that. They want to target someone who has a credit card in their hand and is online looking for new scooters. That would be, I'm telling you from a business perspective, you want to close those sales and you want to ship them out today. You want to build that credit card and you want to be able to pay your business expenses and pray that there's something left over to pay your mortgage, right? That's the mindset. Right. So what you're sharing is, well, a couple of things. First of all, if they, like you said before, if they, read, if they know the solution, they probably have someone else who's, they likely already know how to do the solution. You're targeting people who have the problem, not people who are looking for the solution. And that makes sense because if you're the one who introduces them to the solution, I'm just thinking now, reflecting from my own experience of Googling things. If you're looking for a particular type of, today, I was just researching a type of headset. You know, So the first blog that said the 10 top headsets and I found the one that fits what I want, I would generally click there. The problem is that I know what they're doing, so I'm wary of that. But generally, people aren't. You know, people are going to trust that person. And that makes a lot of sense. And you think about it. If you put in and searched, you know, whatever kind of headset it was, by the model number and everything like that, you're price shopping yeah. at that point. And maybe you've got enough time for the headset where you can do different price shopping with it. But if you've got a, a definite need, uh, if you've got a pain, I remember a, um, a client came to us and said, you guys are just like Preparation H. And I'm like, um, Thank you. And he's like, no, no, it's a compliment. He's like, right, your doctor recommended you focus on the problem and you you get rid of the pain in my rear end. And his point was, is that nobody cares about your product or service. 
All they care about is their pain in their rear end. So if you focus on talking about that, on how you can help that, that's what they really resonate with. Interesting. So now, but you're saying that you didn't target or you wouldn't target those who are actually looking for the solution. Wouldn't that be a great place to target as well? Oh, you could. I mean, so we would do some like that, like, you know, top 10 questions to ask the provider of this, why it's better to rent as opposed to buy. Uh, Mm -hmm. why private pay is the answer. Because sometimes, you know, people would, uh, well, my insurance will cover it. Yeah, but you're not going to get it for, you know, 10 days. And if that's the case, what impact is that going to have on your life? We reverse engineer that into a blog post, right? You can say renting versus going through insurance. Yes, insurance will pay for it, but it might take X number of days. And if you rent it, you'll get it tomorrow. And the difference in price is this. And isn't it worth paying X number of dollars to know that you can have a life, you know, weeks worth of time of functioning, something like that. There's a great book called They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. And that was his entire marketing philosophy and his content strategy. Because if one person asks the question, chances are other people are too. So you could take that time to, to send an email to one person or you could write the blog post and put it up there and reference the one person to it. You could do one quick video to answer somebody's question or you could do that same video and put it up online. And this guy, originally he was selling pools and, you know, everybody wanted to talk about, you know, what's the difference between an in-ground pool and an above ground pool. He would answer everything, even to the point when people would say, well, how much does it cost? Nobody else wants to answer that question. And he'd be Mm -hmm. the one that answers it. And, you know, a lot of times you can't say this is the price. But you can say, these are the things that influence the price. And so mm-hmm. just that whole idea, if, if they ask you answer, and you're right, it is a slower way to build the business. But I love the way uh, Brian Halligan from um, HubSpot talks about it. He, he says the sales funnel is dead. He calls it the sales flywheel. So what can you do to keep adding momentum to the flywheel and reduce friction? So if you improve customer service, that cl- reduces the friction. And if you keep adding content, that adds to the flywheel. Okay. Now, what is the length of time that we're discussing here? Because I know that initially, at least even in this conversation, you know, I'm thinking that the guy who doesn't even know that the knee scooter exists is much earlier on in the buying stage than someone else who's Googling model numbers of knee scooters and best, cheapest, closest price of you know, this model number. But realistically, when somebody is searching, you know, what is the time frame that goes from not knowing to purchasing? I think it really depends on what their need is and also what's the buying cycle, right? For me to rent something that's $35 a week, that that isn't as big as buying a house, right? So it's going to be uh, a larger or longer buying cycle with that. But, and I think it also varies on the maturity of a product. So from that standpoint, if something has gotten to be such a commodity, it could be tougher to do that. But if you're the first one talking about it, I honestly believe that the biggest problem we all have is obscurity, right? There's thousands of people, millions of people we could help if they only knew we existed. So our biggest problem now is obscurity. When you say our biggest problem, I'm talking about your specific company? I believe any company. 
any company, because think about it, a lot of people are saying, well, I've got to tweak this, or I've got to change this. I've got to, you know, change this on my website. Well, if nobody's coming to your website, that's like having a store in the Mojave Desert and saying, well, maybe the the sign should be blue instead of green. Let's test that. It's like, no, it's just that you don't have anybody there. And, you know, I think that's really changed. You know, 20 years ago, it was a world of scarcity. So scarce choices, scarce calories, scarce customers, right? I can think of 20 years ago, your customers were probably, you know, uh, people that were, could drive to your location. So maybe 20 miles. So if you live in Boston, you've got a lot more customers than I've got in Kalamazoo, Michigan. But now if they can find you on the internet and you can drop ship to them, or if you've got a digital product, you can sell to them. All of a sudden you go from almost like a finite amount of customers not infinite, but you go from, you know, thousands to, to millions. And so with that, um, you, there's whatever you have right now could serve a lot of those people. They just don't know you exist. So that's, that's very interesting concept they bring up now, because there are definitely business owners and professionals who feel the need to tweak their product. And this really goes into the love your nine to five show concept here. And they start delivering something which is not a genuine reflection of their unique light that they should be shining on the world. And the reason why they do this is, like you said, it comes from the scarcity mentality where I don't see people asking for me. And so it must be that I'm not in demand. Let me try to adjust my product to address the needs of the people that are right in front of me. Now, there may be times when you might need to tweak your offer a little bit within reason where you're still giving of yourself in your own unique way. And you're not compromising your integrity, but you know, from a business standpoint, you, you have to be open certain hours or whatever it is. But, but what you're saying is, especially now that we're so interconnected and our customers are not location-based, right? Mm-hmm. And those who we can provide our services and products, physical or digital, can be anywhere. So we can be, we can be obnoxious almost and stubborn to an extent of sticking to our guns and as assuming that we got a right of what our unique gift, talent, skill, product is, we can really find those people. You don't need a million customers to, you know, to be very, very comfortable. I mean, obviously it depends on the product and the service. I'll give an example of my business I'm starting right now, right? So I'm starting this online marketing company for nursing homes. And I've gotten like completely different reactions from different owners. Some of them are like, we got this in-house. Or some of them are like, it doesn't matter. You know, who cares about your online review? It all depends where you get your DME from. I'm joking. <laughs> it all yeah. depends, on, depends on whatever they think it depends on. You know, some of them are completely not convinced that the product matters at all. Other people, when you speak to them, they're like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I was just dealing with this today. We were trying to figure out what we're going to do about it. We're overwhelmed. We cannot deal with this in-house. Please, can you help us? Tell us what you know what you can do to help us. And until you get enough of those responses, you start thinking like maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I should not be, you know, offering this product or this service. And what you just said is so true, is that you can really stick to it because you know, assuming you have a real product that solves a real problem, all you need to do is find the people that feel that pain. And one of the ways of doing it is the old way of you know, cold calling and finding them and calling them and bothering people. But at the same time, by creating content, blogs, podcasts, videos that address their pain points and then offering your solution, uh, you, you can get yourself way ahead of the game. I never want to be obnoxious, but, you know, not everybody's going to love me. 
right? And I think too often we try to be all things to all people. And I try not to judge other people and hope that they don't judge me, right? So if you come to my business and you're like, I don't need this or this doesn't make sense. Okay, well, it's not for you, right? Good luck to you. God bless you. Go find somebody that can better serve you. And so Mm -hmm. from that standpoint, you know, we can work with the ideal customers that we want. And so from that standpoint, you know, I always say when I'm on a podcast interview, there's three reactions people have to me. The first one is Tom's an idiot. And I'm like, I don't disagree with them. But you know what? If they feel that way, we're never going to be good working together, right? So that's fine. I'm glad you figured that out before we got six months into an engagement. The second ones are like, huh, that was interesting, but I don't need it right now. Okay, well, just keep it in mind, all right? And then that third ones are like, wow, you know, what he talked about resonated with me. You know, he works with people like me. He understands my problems. They can help me. And those are the people that you want to attract. Remember, I was on a panel a couple of years ago and somebody on the panel said, you need to get 45 new leads a day. And I stopped and I'm like, I couldn't handle 45 new customers a day. And she's like, no, no, not customers, just leads. And I'm like, well, why do I want leads if they won't turn into customers? You know, Mm -hmm. if I can handle two customers a day, then I want two ideal leads a day. You know, it's not, uh, it's not just a numbers game. I think it's uh, as the world's gotten bigger, it's also gotten smaller because we can sort of almost pick the people that we want to work with. Correct. Correct. Now, again, you have the interview valet company. If you do you mind my asking what, what is, I'm not even sure what the answer to this is, and I'm sorry for not knowing this. What is your role in the company? I'm the founder. I came up with the, the marketing strategy behind it, but I've always hated the term chief executive officer. So I call myself the chief evangelist officer. That's my role now. We've got, you know, 16 people on the team. So from that standpoint, uh, I don't have to do everything anymore. So my, where I add the most value is evangelizing, evangelizing for the company, for the category, for our customers, for podcasting in general. Wow. Do you find that larger organizations are receptive to the concept of coming out to people's podcasts or do they still find that that is, it's not enough of a realistic, you know, gain financially for them. A couple of years ago, podcasting was looked at as like Wayne's world, a couple yeah. of guys in their mom's basement. Exactly. Geeks. Yeah. That has changed over, I'd say the last 12 months, you know, last year, Harvard university had their first conference on podcasting. You know, when Harvard talks about something, it's legit. Hmm, nobody told me about that one. Yeah, Spotify. <laughs> uh, Spotify just did a huge um, purchase of Gimlet. And I think in the tens of millions of dollars for an acquisition, people started to pay attention on that. And we work with some software service companies and they know their customer acquisition and the cost of lead acquisition down to the penny. Mm-hmm. And they show us what their numbers are through other channels And then they share with us what their numbers are through podcast interview marketing. And they just look at us and say, how many podcasts can you get us on? I think the people that realize how it works and the power of it, that it's not a spend, it's an investment. This content's out there forever that you can repurpose it. And, you know, you ask a business owner to write a blog, that's a homework assignment. If you ask them to be interviewed on a podcast, they can talk about their company and their passion all day long. Wow. I never thought of it that way. So you're saying that podcast is more natural, right? We're having a normal conversation, but right? Two guys just having a conversation. 
And we're trying to do it in a way that those who are listening right now are gaining the maximum benefit that they can, right? It's like those, I feel like we're spamming a little bit when we talk about podcasting on a podcast. And it's like those guys who talk about LinkedIn on LinkedIn. And, uh, <laughs> a little the, better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what you're saying is so true is that the content on the podcast is evergreen content and it's going to be there forever. And it's easy to do, so to speak. If someone doesn't know enough of their subject to be able to have a 20-minute conversation, then you, you may not want them on there unless they you know, have some sort of prestige or something. Now, my question for you, let's go back to what you mentioned earlier regarding the inbound marketing strategy where you mentioned that you would use blogs and you got a certain level of engagement, a certain level of conversions. And then you would use podcasts and it was, it was even more. Now, to what extent would you say, let's say it's a regular small business owner, without pushing you for hard numbers here, what extent would you say that they should be focusing on inbound marketing versus traditional marketing and lead conversion? I don't think it's a one or the other. I always go back to the strategy. And the best business owner I ever knew was my grandfather. Right. And he understood the strategy of how to build a business, how okay. to let people know about Cunningham Service Station. And, you know, he did things in the community. People would introduce him. So looking and taking that same strategy, but using it with modern tools. Right. So if you had a question, you'd go ask Jim Cunningham. Well, the same way with content. People have questions, put the blogs out there. You know, he'd go to the country club so that one of his buddies could introduce him to another one of his buddies and they could talk for a half hour and he could get a customer there. Well, that's sort of what we're doing here, right? I come on this podcast, nobody knows me, but everybody knows you. They like, they trust you. So by us talking, it's almost like you're introducing me to your tribe. So I think, you know, I often wonder if my grandchildren will be as prepared for the future, say, as my grandfather would, right? Because our children are going to, children's children are going to know the tactics. They're going to know how to, how to use the newest platform, but will they understand why to use it or what's the purpose behind it? Because the platform is always going to change, but the strategy behind it isn't. So I always tell people, it's like, what's the best marketing? Well, what are you trying to do? And to me, marketing is just trying to start a conversation with somebody that could be an ideal customer, right? So if, if billboards work for you and your product, you know, if I had a restaurant right off a freeway, I don't know that a podcast would be a good way for that. A billboard would be better, mm -hmm. right? But you look and say, how can I use the technology today in order to connect with the maximum number of ideal customers and get them to know, like, trust, and remember me. Okay, but I'm going to push here for the question a little bit. I know that's not mutually yeah. exclusive, you know, inbound marketing versus outbound marketing. And specifically through podcasts, you're right, that a podcast you fit in here and there, and even as aggressive, say I hired you tomorrow for me to get me out there, my company out there, and, you know, for the right podcast as aggressive as I would want to be, there is a limited number of targeted podcasts that would be appropriate. So, but not just time-wise, more strategy-wise. In other words, do you see the success in, I guess, your clients coming on by putting them in front of their target audiences? Let me give an example. Let's say somebody sells, let's say, uh, durable medical equipment. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll stick with that example. And they come to you and they say that, you know, I'm trying to get in front of the private pay People who are doing this, I know they're ordering it themselves. They just finished some sort of a medical procedure and I want to get in front of them. So you say, sure, I could put you on 10 podcasts that are all related 
that these people would listen to because who is your ideal customer? You build some sort of customer profile and you put them on there. What type of expectations, even for you, would you set for your client to say that this is what you can expect afterwards? Because he's going to want us, the phone to be ringing off the hook the next day and it's probably not going to happen so fast. Right. And the other thing that I think is really important there are, are you trying to do a transaction or are you trying to build a relationship? Right. So if we're just doing a transaction, going back to the example, a knee scooter, right? That's not something that you're going to use. It's not a chronic condition where, you know, I'm going to have this relationship with somebody. It's more of a transaction. So I don't think that would work nearly as well off of a podcast interview. What's the chances of that your, your brother or brother-in-law is going to be listening to a podcast just the same times that he breaks, breaks his ankle? So I think if it's a transaction, I would say there are better ways to do that today. Blogs, you know, that content out there. Well, why are blogs better for a transaction? Don't you have the same, you have the same problem there too? Right. But when you search, what comes up there is in Google or whatever, you're going to see something that says, you know, the top 10 things, um, top 10 alternatives to crutches. Well, that's an easy one to click on and make a one-time transaction as opposed, are you going to listen to a 45 minute podcast interview on alternatives to crutches? Probably not. So with that, when we look at how to predict success with podcast interview marketing, there's really three factors. And after our first hundred clients, we said, how come some of them got good results and some of them got great results. Mm -hmm. And it boiled down to message market and machine. And it all multiplied on itself. Okay. So the message is, do you have stories to tell and not just a product to sell? You know, podcasts are conversational. If you want to come on and just do an infomercial, it's not going to relate really well. So that's sort of the message. Uh, are you interested in being interesting? There are some people um, that it's hard enough to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. You wouldn't listen to them on a podcast. Got it. So the second one is the market. The market is, do you know who you want to talk to? And do you have something that can serve them? So the people that said, I want to talk to everybody, not everybody wants to listen to you, right? You have to be focused on podcasts. And also in that market is, do you have a way to serve them? You know, the people that said, I just want to build my personal brand. Well, how does that help the listener or the host? And I love um, Rabbi Daniel Lappin talks about, you know, when you're serving somebody, when they give you certificates of appreciation. And so uh, he said in the U.S., certificates of appreciation are green pieces of paper with pictures of dead presidents. <laughs> so if you don't have something that they can you know, do after the podcast interview, you can have a really hard time figuring out an ROI on that. You, you lost me with the certificates. No, I'm joking. That, that is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love that. And uh, so with that, then um, the next one is the machine. The machine is when I hear you on a podcast interview, I'm going to go to your website. I'm going to check you out on social media. And if your website looks like it was built in Y2K or, you know, you're like in the witness protection plan on social media, I don't care how good of an expert you <laughs> sounded like on the podcast interview. It's not going to convert. It's creepy. Why is this guy holding everything back? And where has he been? Right. Uh, right. And if he's such an expert, right. how come he's the only one that says he's an expert? Exactly. Exactly. So it's message, market, and machine. And that's what we always look at. And uh, the first three say, hey, could podcast interview marketing work for you? And then we look at it and say, are we the right agency for you? Right. There's 600,000 podcasts out there. We just focus on business, faith and spirituality, 
and health, nutrition, and wellness. And that being said, 80% of our, our business, our contacts, our expertise is in that business vertical. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a comedian that came to me and he said, will this work for me? And I'm like, yeah, it should. And he's like, great, I want to work with you. And I'm like, um, sorry, we're not in that vertical. I said, I'm not just going to learn it for one person. Uh, like when you said, you know, being obnoxious or whatever, I was just real clear and saying, hey, sorry, we can't do that. And later somebody told me, oh, you don't want to work with comedians. <laughs> so. You dodged, dodged a bullet there. So if it's something is transactional, then something transactional, then it may make less sense. You know, the podcast may not work, but if something is more of a relationship, then in general terms, it could work. Mm-hmm. Then you have to make sure that those three things you mentioned check out to make sure they're in front of the right people. They have an interesting story and that when they assuming, I mean, I've done this myself, you know, assuming that when the, I listen to a podcast, let's someone listens to this podcast with you and you sound like, you know what you're talking about. You're interesting. You're funny. You, you know, you know, you're on point. They're going to go and then they're going to Google you and it's going to be a black hole and that'll be a problem. So that's the third thing is going to be machine, meaning that you, the person is legit and you go online, you see that there's real people with real reviews and real interactions and real engagement, which, which makes a certain level of legitimacy. Now, one last question before we wrap up here, and that is so just in regards to, I guess, SEO, when you Google something, I wonder if this is going to change because Google is also you know, putting a bigger focus on podcasting and Google Podcasts and all that. Why is it that if I Google right now, can I build my business through podcast marketing? A podcast like this is not going to pop to the top, even if I have show notes that are written out and transcriptions and everything. Why doesn't that happen? I never see podcasts in my search engine results. They just started, well, there was thoughts that Google was starting to transcribe audio. And the end of April, there was an article that came out that said it's official that they're starting to transcribe audio going forward. So I think you'll see it more often with that. Where I think you will see it, though, and I've noticed it, is if you get into players, I noticed this in the Himalaya player the other day, and all of a sudden, every podcast they started to recommend to me was similar to the last one. Not by the person that it was, but the theme that it was talking about. Was it about the title, or is it more than just the title? Uh, it was more about one of the, one of the people, uh, Ed Milet. And so some of the podcasts, he was his podcast. Some of the times he was interviewed on the podcast. Other times they just referenced him in the podcast. Okay. So, so I thought it was, was really interesting. Interesting. So they clearly knew the content of the episode, not just the title and the metadata. That's where I was going with those questions. Exactly. It definitely was in there. So I think it's almost creepy. They know what we talk about. And so they're going to index that. And I think the other thing is that I think what we're going to see is that they're going to start presenting you with content that you've said you liked, right? So if, I, if I'm listening to all these podcasts online, they're probably going to start showing me more podcasts. If I consume more videos, they're going to start showing me videos. And somebody asked me the other day, you know, right now, 50% of the U.S. population listens to podcasts. And they're like, well, when do you think it's going to be 100%? And I thought for a second, I'm like, it never will be 100%, Right. Radio and television never got to 100%. You know, 10% of the U.S. population is hearing impaired. They're not going to listen to podcasts. But for those people that do, it's so easy now that you can, you know, we can produce it the way we want to, repurpose it, you know, transcribe it, do all the rest of that, and have it 
presented in the way other people like it. 100%. Tom, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate it. You've shared quite a bit with us um, in the world of podcasting in general and specifically um, in how we can use podcasting to generate more business for ourselves. And I'm really curious to see how the world of podcasting is going to continue to evolve. Um, I know initially when I started listening to podcasting and starting to do my own podcast, the, almost everyone that I would speak to, their initial reaction was, what's a podcast? And now it's changing a little bit. It's like, wow, you're really a podcaster. We have a real live podcaster in the house. And, you know, things, things are changing a little bit. Some people still don't understand 100%. If our listeners want to learn more about you, <clears throat> about your business, and they want to discuss perhaps, you know, working with you in the future, where's the best place for me to send them? Yeah, I, I would say just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash nine to five, just nine to five. And everything we talk about will be there. I always uh, give away a free copy of my book. Uh, I sell a lot on Amazon, but I give away more. Uh, it's called Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with the Targeted Interview Strategy. And uh, if it makes sense for us to talk, I'll put my scheduling link on there, all my social media so that you don't have to figure out what Tom Schwab and Kalamazoo you really want to talk to. So <laughs> just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash nine to five. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on the show. You've really shared so much with the listeners. I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. All right. Awesome. <laughs>